I feel like my message today is part three. After preaching a couple of Sundays ago on Baptism Sunday, and then last week, I feel like this is part three, because when God does something, he does it to fulfillment. And uh, I just felt led of the Lord to let you know the message that I'm going to preach today is simply entitled, Propelled by Grace. Propelled by Grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters of the gospel, I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand. Aren't you glad that you received the gospel and are standing in it? And by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That's the first importance. He died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely uh, born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. But by the grace of God... I am what I am. I like the wording there because there was another person that said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh the I am has sent me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting the Apostle Paul and I'm not putting you and I on the same level as the true ultimate I am that I am. But by grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am. You can't change me. I can't really even change me as long as I'm staying in his grace. The grace of God is what's formed me. The grace of God is what's made me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. Everybody say, it's not me. But the grace of God that is with me. I have to share somebody today needs to see that it is the grace of God that drives you. It's the grace of God that propels you. It's the grace of God that moves you and molds you and forms you into what you're supposed to be. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2. This slammed pretty hard this week. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. 
I, I want you to notice, he wasn't writing to sinners. This isn't a letter to unsaved people. This is a letter to the church at Ephesus, to the saints at Ephesus. And he tells them, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, I don't like preaching those kind of messages. I've done it before. I don't like it, but it's still in the Scripture. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. I I need to stop there just for a second And I want you to notice two words there. It's the same word repeated. It's the word following. I've got to let somebody know today, your devil has no power over you. The prince and the power of the air has no authority over you. We give him way more credit than he deserves. We lift him up way more than he actually has the power to operate in. The apostle says, you're following the prince of the power of the air. You're following the course of this world. Here's the answer if you want to get over your devils. Stop following him. I I know that goes against our nature because we're humans and we want to blame somebody or something. Today's been a weird day. Woke up at 6 o'clock, looked outside, and realized I better text our snowplow guy because the forecast was less than an inch and outside my window there was a little bit more than that. And so I text Ryan, his wife is here today. I text Ryan, I said, I hate to bother you this early, but I think we might need your assistance. He responded, I'm already at the church. (laughs) And so I come and I pull in and he's got most of the parking lot done. And so I start walking. I actually came in this back door and somewhere between the car and my office, I snagged my sweater. And my wife comes in. It wasn't just a snake. My wife comes in and says, well, what's on your shirt? And I pulled my sweater up, and there's this big hole. And then I realized that God had made a way for me to forget the clothes that I had left here that my wife told me to take home. See, I'm blaming And so I quick threw this shirt. That's the reason why it's maybe a little wrinkled and put this coat on. And and I'm slow cooking right now because these jean jackets aren't really breathable. And I know there's people that aren't here today because they couldn't get out their front door. And I, I totally get all of that. But can I just tell you something? Sometimes we're looking for something to blame in order to justify our action or reaction. 
I could have woken up with a bad attitude. I'm tired of the snow. I'm ready for spring. I'm tired of having to clean the car off. I'm tired of having to drive through snow drifts. I'm tired of all that. But here I come to tell you today that whether the weather be good or whether the weather be bad, we'll weather the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. I am so in tune with the presence of God that Jesus Christ is real. I'm excited about what the presence of God is trying to do among us. There's no place I'd rather be than with you in the presence of Jesus. And the reason why is because I'm done following the course of this world. I'm done following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. Can I just calm somebody's spirit today? Turn off the news. I I know the world's gone upside down, inside out. I know there's wars in Russia and Ukraine. I know there's gas prices have gone crazy and everything's going haywire. But let me just tell you, don't follow that course. Follow the kingdom. The kingdom says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The kingdom says, cast your bread upon the water, for it shall come back to you. The kingdom says, I am the great physician. I will provide your needs need. The kingdom says, I am your shepherd. I will protect you. The kingdom says, I am your banner. I am your peace. I am your judge. I'm the one that's in control. So let your spirit be at ease. God knows what he's doing. Well, Pastor, that's just because you're not there in Ukraine where things are. I understand that. I understand that I haven't heard a missile go over my head. But even if I did, Jesus is still in control. Is there anything that I can do besides turning to Jesus that would change the course of the world? That kind of releases the pressure, doesn't it? Let me just seek him. But here's the reason why. See, we, we, we like to pass blame. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just, I hear and people send me things and they pop up on YouTube and all kinds of junk out there. I'm not talking about, I'm talking religious stuff, preachers and teachers that I want to reach through the screen and just put a piece of tape over their mouth because they cause me so much frustration because then I have people that are getting tripped up by what the preacher is saying. Can I just say this? If you put the right shoes on, like Cheryl said, and you're standing, there's nothing the devil can do to you. There is nothing... He, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. He can't do anything to you unless you let him. Because notice what this verse said. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived. We've all done this. We've all been there. It doesn't matter who you are today. We've all done this. We have followed the passion 
It doesn't say the passion of the world. It doesn't say the passion of the prince of the power of the air. It doesn't say the passion of the spirit that's now at work. It says the passion of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I know that sounds like a downer. But can I just be honest with you? It would be easy for me to look at life and blame my enemy. But here's what happened in the office this week. God raised a mirror. And I looked at my true enemy, which resembled Tim Sanders. It was me that didn't pick up the word one morning. It was me that didn't spend any time in prayer. It was me that didn't spend any time meditating and and thinking about the things of God. I was preoccupied with something else. I I didn't want to wake up. I wanted to just go to sleep. I just wanted to kick the recliner back, throw on a a ball game of some sort, just something just to unplug. That's what I wanted to do. That's what my flesh was desiring. That's what my body was desiring. And I wonder why God allowed some things to happen. Because he was trying to get my attention. Ah, Tim, I have other plans for you. I have other agendas for you. I have another pathway for you to take. Instead of putting your carcass in the recliner, why don't you come back to the desk and begin to read a little bit? Instead of zoning out and just kind of staring off into space, why don't you come back and focus in on what I'm trying to say to you in the Word of God? I have to tell you that's not the easier way to do it. You see, I I do believe that our enemy is doing everything that he can do to mess you up. I do believe that. I do believe that he's he's lying to you. He's trying to put stumbling blocks in front of you. He's trying to attack you. I get all of that. But he can't do it unless you follow it. Because what he's trying to do is mess with your flesh. And you, in turn, try to appease the flesh. But today I've got to tell somebody that grace is not a natural thing. Grace is a supernatural thing. Grace comes from deity, and it will propel you to victory. Let me keep going. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages you weren't saved just to be saved. You weren't baptized just to be baptized. 
you're not here just to be here. You're here so that in the coming ages, now that word ages means from that point forward. It's not just talking about 100 years or 1,000 years down the road. But in the coming days, in the coming hours, where you sit this week, where you walk this week, in the coming, he has done this for you so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, if you don't follow the course of this world, if you don't follow the prince of the power of the air, he does that and he'll put his grace there, he'll plant it in you so that in the coming days you will get something happening in your spirit, something happening in your life that will show the immeasurable riches of God and his grace in you. Well, pastor, I, I want more to happen to me. I, I, I want more and more of God. Then stop following your body and your flesh. I want to be 200 pounds. It ain't happening unless I stop eating. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you catching this? It's not about him and it's not even about God. It's about what you choose to do with yourself, with your flesh. Can I tell you that the gospel is all about the redeeming of your body, soul, and spirit? Your flesh, your carnal nature. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I have found myself in recent years, if you've been in Grace College, you'll know this, apologizing for misinformation or incomplete information that either I have spoken or other preachers have spoken. Because how many have heard that there is nothing you can do to get saved? It's all by grace. You can't earn it. You can't do it. Okay, I understand what they're trying to say. But there is some responses that you have to make. In other words, you can never be good enough to reconcile the world to God. You can't ever step through the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. We talked about this last week. And, and, and you can't make yourself perfected in, to be in his presence. That only comes by him. That's his grace. That's what he does at Calvary. But there is a response to his grace that you have to activate. In other words, he just doesn't say, you're saved. He could, but he doesn't. He says this, here's my grace. Will you take it? Let me quote the King James Version. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is your response to his grace that triggers his power to make you a new creature. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is 
a gift of God. It's not let, not of lest any man should boast. Verse number nine for. Um, not as a result of works so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody said, I'm supposed to be doing good works. Which God prepared beforehand. I don't know how many times I've answered this question in my ministry. Okay, I've been born again of the water and of the spirit. I've been baptized in his name. I've caken on his name. I'm a new creature in Christ. Now what am I supposed to do? And once again, because of the frailty of humanity, we've got a laundry list of things that we think we need to do now that we're saved. But can I just tell you something? If it wasn't the laundry list before I was saved, B.C., before Calvary, versus A.R., after resurrection, if it didn't work before Calvary, it's not going to work after Calvary. And somebody here has been beating themselves up because they're not doing enough. Now, I know this message is a little bit different. I know I'm not going haywire like I did last week. But there is a depth to this word today that I am praying that you would absorb it, that you would let it come to the very core of who you are. You have to understand there were works developed in you before Calvary. God began to form you in your mother's womb. He began to formulate things. I have heard some people say, well, what I was good at before Calvary, I'm not any good at. No, no, no. God uses the talents that he planted in you before you were saved so that you could use them after you were saved. I'm not saying we go back to doing the same thing that we've always done, but here's what I'm saying. I'm saying your personality, your, your, your proclivities, your giftings are given to you by God and they are without repentance. And so if he gave you something when you were a child, you may not have even realized it, but you've come through Calvary and now God is getting ready to resurrect that thing he planted in you. It's not about you, it's about him. It's it's not about what you can figure out. It's about following the path that he's chosen. Stop trying to figure out the laundry list of things you're supposed to do and just focus on your relationship. Well, pastor, I've been born again. I should be able to pray three hours a day. Not if you didn't before you were saved. Can, can I just... I don't know if this is coming from a guilty conscience of mine, but can I just tell you that somewhere in the church world we've got to get away from having a, a, a sterile format of living because it's not going to work for you like it works for me. You may be able to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and begin to pray for an hour and a half. I get up at 4 o'clock and start praying, and I'm asleep by 4.05. Who's more spiritual? Depends on what argument you want to make. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there are some of us that are trying so hard. Stop trying so hard. 
and just start having a relationship with Jesus. He's going to tell you what he, because the works are already there, and he wants to use you, but you are too uh, stubborn to receive what God is trying to say because you have this expectation that you're supposed to be doing this or you're supposed to be doing. And I know I'm talking in generalities. The reason why I'm talking in generalities is because we've probably got 70 different people here, so there's 70 different instances. And you don't want me to hit every one of them or we'll be here all day. Thank you. Don't try to live your life now that you're a new creature in your own strength. If it couldn't get you to Calvary, it's not going to get you to your destiny. For we are his workmanship, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There is a principle in Scripture that we don't grasp a hold of very well. And you have heard me say this, and, and I'll say it again, even though I understand what they say, when, what they're meaning when they say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How many of you have ever heard that? You've heard it. I've said it a hundred times. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know what that person is saying. That person is saying, I didn't do this on my own. I was a mess. I was a wretch. But Jesus did something for me, and now I'm not really that anymore. But here's the problem. We don't leave the sinner at Calvary. We tend to carry the sinner with us. And now I'm just a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. No, 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 no. Grace propels you into a whole different stratosphere. I was a sinner. I found Calvary. And Calvary has propelled me to be his workmanship. It has propelled me, according to Titus chapter 3, verse 7, to be an heir. His grace has made me an heir. For without holiness shall no man see the Lord. Grace has made me holy. I, I didn't make myself holy. I can't do it. It's impossible to make myself. Holy means pure and set apart. I can't do that. When God said, be holy for I am holy, it wasn't a command for something you to do. It was a declaration about who you are. You're holy because I'm holy. Mm, there is a depth of the presence. Would you just close your eyes for a second? God is trying to give somebody a revelation this week you have fought with your new character. You have fought with your new creature status. You have fought with your the, the newness of, of who is because you may have made a mistake. You may have messed up again. And you've just looked at yourself like, well, I'm just a sinner and, and there's nothing that's good. 
God is trying to speak to you right now. I'm coming against the voice of the adversary. I'm coming against the voice of our flesh. I'm coming against the voice that's in our mind and in our spirits that would try to tell us that we aren't who we are. But by the grace of God, I am who I am. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now, to speak a divine revelation into the heart of your people. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let your grace propel someone into holiness, propel someone into being a workmanship of Christ, to, spend, to, to propel somebody into the airship of your kingdom and your house. I'm asking you, God, to release them from their flesh and release them from their carnal nature. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to release all of heaven right now into their spirit. In Jesus' name. With your eyes still closed, I just want you to picture whatever you picture Jesus looking at, looking like. Just picture him. And I want you to look at him in all sincerity and just say, I am that I am because of you. Yeah. Do you see his smile? He's smiling because some of you are just now recognizing I'm not what I was. I'm not even what I am. It is. I am what I am. I am the thing that the grace of God declared me and formed me to be. I am holy. I am a workmanship of Christ. I am an heir to the throne of heaven. I am blood bought. I am paid with the price. I am made clean and righteous. I am pure and holy. I am justified and sanctified. I am good in the eyes of God. I'm not a wretch anymore. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a child of Almighty God. I am blessed to be a part of the family of Almighty God. I am honored to sit at the table of grace. Now I want you to look at him again with your eyes closed still. Look at him again. And I just want you to start saying this. I will stop beating myself for falling short. Stop beating yourself up. Some of your bruises in the spirit and some of the wounds of your spirit are there because you can't get over yourself. You can't accept that God could love you because your earthly father didn't. You can't accept the price that he paid because somebody has rejected you over and over and over again and said that you're not worthy. 
that said you're a mess, that said you're not good enough, you need to have something well up on the inside of you right now and put your shoulders back and lift your voice and say, by the grace of God, I am that I am. You may have rejected me, but he has accepted me. You may have wounded me, but he has healed me. You may have abandoned me and abused me, but he has loved me and embraced me. Because when you grab a hold of this concept, the devil doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't stand. He's not even going to bother messing with him. Because, why? Because you're so good? No, because grace has propelled you. There is two things that Satan does not understand. And, and I'm coming to a close. There's two things that he does not understand. And, and it's the reason why he's messed up as bad as he is. He doesn't understand mercy, and he doesn't understand grace. Because mercy and grace are a connect point from the de deity of God to the flesh of man, to the humanity of man. It's not an angelic terminology. Angels don't understand mercy, and they don't understand grace. Mercy is him pulling from you all of the junk, and grace is him giving you all of the favor. And so I need to tell you, it's the reason why the devil messes with your thought process because he understands that the carnal nature of man does not understand the heart of God. You have to understand that when you were born of the water and of the Spirit, when you were baptized into his name and you came up out of the waters of baptism, mercy was applied. The faith that was activated by you stepping into the waters activated the mercy of God. And what happened while you were in that water was God was having a cleansing treatment. God was, was mercifully removing all the junk that had been attached to you, all of the sin that had been attached to you, all of the junk that had brought you down, all of the addiction, all of the hatred, all of the wrath, all of the impatience, all of the junk that was burying you. When you hit that water by faith, faith activated the mercy of God, and God washed it clean and gave you a brand new clean slate. But your life is not an erase board. Now some of you are going to be aged by this. I'm not talking about a whiteboard. I'm going back to my days in school with chalk and the black wall. I hated cleaning those walls. Cuz you could never get it brand new. There was always a little bit of chalk powder somewhere. And that's how we treat new birth sometimes. That God took an eraser to the blackboard of our life and he erased all the junk, but there's still residue of it. Uh-uh. 
That's not how he works. He took a sledgehammer to your wall, knocked it down, and put a brand new wall up. And the old wall may have said sinner. And the old wall may have said alcoholic. And the old wall may have said a son of perversion. It may have said whatever it said, all the junk. It may have said you were uh, addicted to your job and, and you were a lover of money and you were a hater and you were all those things. He didn't just walk into your life and take an eraser and erase it and left the residue of that on the chalkboard. He came in with the cross of Calvary and knocked the wall down and put a brand new wall up. It was spotless. It was crystal clear. It was unblemished. But he didn't stop there. He picked up the chalk himself, and he began to write some new things on your board. And he began to write, saint, saved, redeemed, chosen, my child, the love of my life, the apple of my eye, and now the chalkboard of your life is full of stuff. There's no residue of your old life. There's a brand new life that grace has planted some things in there that you need to walk into. That you should walk in them is what Paul said. Walk in the grace of your new life. Are you going to mess up? Probably. I do. But here's the difference. Before Calvary, B.C., A.C., after Calvary. Before Calvary, you had an old board. After Calvary, it's a new board. And the Bible says there's washing of water by the word. As you begin to develop a, a relationship with him, he gets on that new board and he just washes it all away. St. Augustine said this, For grace is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. I want you to stand. I feel like God is challenging us. He's challenging me, and so I'll place the challenge on you. Stop fretting. Stop worrying. I like, I don't know how many caught the statement that they put up in between the songs. Let your worship be louder than your worry. Somebody's going to wake up tomorrow. And you're going to look in the mirror. And that enemy's going to whisper to your flesh. And you have one of two choices. You can follow it or you can silence it. I challenge you to silence it. Well, pastor, how do, you, how do I silence it? Worship. 
I'm waiting for the day where somebody gets up and has a testimony that says this. I was in the bathroom looking into the mirror. I was brushing my teeth. And the Holy Ghost hit me and realized how beautiful I was to him and how beautiful, and I just started speaking in tongues. Toothpaste went everywhere. I had to clean that up after, but the power of God overcame me so much to remind me that I am his child, that he loves me, that he cares for me, that he's going to provide for me, that he's going to keep me, that I am his. Can you imagine? I want somebody to video that. I I want to hear the testimony that said I was so down. And all of a sudden I glanced in a mirror. And the thing that used to scare me when I looked in the mirror wasn't there anymore. All I saw was the face of a new child in God. You know, there is nothing like looking at the innocence of a baby. I look over here at the little one, Tristan Jr. He's not going to be little very long, by the way. But there are no worry wrinkles yet. I don't see any stress around his eyes. I don't see the sagging of a frown because of anything he's gone through. And he's actually probably gone through more than most of us have. I look at some of these other kids. I know some of their stories. I know what they've seen and what they've been through. They've seen things and been through things that I still haven't at 51. And yet I don't see the wrinkles on their face. Why? Because... They just don't worry. Mom will take care of it. Dad will take care of it. If mom and dad aren't around, aunt, uncle take care of it. Grandma, grandpa, somebody's going to care for me. I wish we would get that into our spirit. Why am I worried about a mortgage payment if I'm partnered with the one that owns the world? Why am I worried? about tripping and falling flat on my face when I've got the greatest teacher on call. Jesus, help us to recognize that you have propelled us into a season of grace. From now until you return, we have come across Calvary and you have pushed us into grace And in the midst of grace is where your favor is found. In the midst of grace is where glory is found. In the midst of grace is where victory is found. I want to dwell there. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes one more time.